welcome back or welcome to another episode of the On Coaching Podcast with Magnus and Marcus. I am Steve Magnus. I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, business partner, John Marcus. John, another wonderful day. How's everything going? Fantastic, because you know we're here to give the people what they, what they, what they, what they really want. And what they really want right now as we've been hearing, is to better understand lactate dynamics and how to upgrade. Oh, man. Look at that. Look at that tease. Lactate dynamics. What some might say a key to running faster and longer. So, you know, let's dive into this. I think that a lot of times when people hear lactate dynamics, they think of two things. They think of the lactate threshold, right, which is a general kind of concept indicator of uh, aerobic fitness. What the hell is that, Steve? What's the lactate threshold? Just remind me real fast. Oh, man. How long do we have? You're the science guy. (laughs) How long do we have? Um, Here, I'll keep it very simple. Lactate threshold is... Once you get above a certain uh, above a point where you are producing lactate at a higher rate than you can clear or utilize it, and one concept I'll, or one thing that I'll point out here is we tend to think like, oh, it's an abrupt point. It is not. It is shades of gray. Okay, because lactate production happens and then you can also utilize it as a fuel you can clear it out you can send it in the bloodstream to other places to utilize etc etc so it is not a clear cut um at 510 pace i'm a below lactate threshold but at 450 pace i'm i'm above right it's more of this blending okay so i want you to think of it as as this spectrum where somewhere in that you're making this transition over time um so it's not a defined exact defined pace where you say 510 pace is my lactate threshold it's more of a a blend in a in a a a spectrum of where you're at yes lactate is high potency fuel for your tissues it's very very useful um, we'll go into a little bit more of the specificity of this, but at a certain point, you start to produce, as Steve said, more lactate than your tissues can utilize. So you start to build up this excess, let's talk, say, amount or buffer of lactate that your muscles and tissues are like, ah, I can't use it anymore. And so it has to shudder it someplace else. This is called the lactate shuttle, and where it goes instead of being utilized as for energy in the tissues as it just puts it in the bloodstream and then it puts it in the bloodstream and then it's shuttled somewhere else. And when too much is put in the bloodstream and shuttled elsewhere, it actually becomes really acidic. So you get acidosis and then it turns and then it goes to other places and it actually has all these positive H ions that go and turn off muscle t- um, cells and make them so that you feel this sense of slowing down. So what Steve and I are trying to do is discuss the very, very multiple amounts of ways to upgrade one's capacity so you continue to use high amounts of lactate as fuel rather than getting to a certain threshold where you no longer can use it as fuel in the tissues and you have to put it in the bloodstream and it goes elsewhere and increases acidosis or fatiguing effect. Did I nail that? Very good, my friend. Awesome. I think one one key to uh, say there is lactate itself does not directly cause fatigue, as John 
rightly pointed out there, it's those lovely hydrogen ions that cause the acidosis that often confuses people. So for the sake of our, our uh, training talk, it doesn't really matter if you say lactate or hydrogen ions or whatever, because they generally um, increase in that bloodstream at a at about the same one-to-one ratio there. That's why we use lactate, even though it isn't the direct cause, it correlates very well with those hydrogen ions that come about. So science nerd, pres- uh, you know, we're here. Nerd reference <laughs> there. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on lactic acid. We could go, yeah. I think we could do a whole podcast on all the lactic acid myths. That's still Yes, nice. we could. So that's why I'm just correct, just emphasizing that. That way we don't get angry people telling us, what about this? What about this? What about this? You're right. Okay. So um let's dive into it. You know, I think I think traditionally when we hear lactate and clearance and all that stuff, we think, oh man, that must mean to lactate threshold training. And we have this nice idea of threshold or tempo training, which basically means training just below it, right? And doing what I call the push, right? You're trying to push that curve push that point where um, you know um, production exceeds clearance. You're trying to push that to a faster pace. So you run just below, and you just say, "Okay, I'm going to adapt my body via you know being just on that edge and not going over that edge too much, so that you know it learns." Okay. Like we need to become more efficient aerobically, more better at utilizing this as fuel, clearing it out, buffering, et cetera, et cetera. That way we won't have this problem. And that's that's a traditional uh, effect. And I think that it works really, really well. The problem is when we only utilize this one method or this one way to attack this issue. I would also say that there, you know, if we look at it, it's not just threshold running that does it. It's not just running below or above. Hmm. We can pull it up. We can manipulate with intervals. We can manipulate with even intervals as short as, you know, hundreds and two hundreds if you want to. And still get that same lactate threshold kind of uh, shifting effect. And people might say hundreds and two hundreds. How in the world is that going to simulate a threshold or a tempo run? Well, if you manipulate the speeds, the recoveries, what you're doing during the recoveries, the length of it, etc., you too can have this effect. <laughs> I think uh, you know it's important to remember that lactic threshold training or lactate threshold training, the upgrades we're trying to get from a physiological standpoint are um, there's really three key variables that I centrate on. And, you know, if you've been following along, highperformancewest.com is back open for business and we're rolling and going. And the workout of the day on posted on August 28th of three sets of one mile plus four times 400 meters. I dive into this very deeply. Uh, Steve, we also had a link of the day um, to a lot of uh, workouts at specific workout prescriptions that help elevate lactate threshold as well. They're a little different than the conventional methods, but getting back on topic is these are the three key variables. So what we're trying to do with lactate threshold training is enhance muscle tissues, use of lactate and pyruvate as fuel, right? Because 
the lactate is a provides a rich um, store of ATP uh, and triggers that. And so we need to develop a way to make it so that that is a, one of the prefer, preferred fueling substrates that athletes will use to make muscle contraction and energy to run fast. The other thing that lactate threshold does is it increases aerobic enzyme productions, right? Enzymes are important. Enzymes matter. Enzymes have a big influence at the cellular level. So again, doing more of that type of training, more enzyme, aerobic enzymes are better. And finally, it also increases the amount of MCT1, which is a, let's, the official name is monocarbolate transporter one. That is a muscle protein, which directly transport lactate into the muscle cells where it can be metabolized for energy. That is accomplished in 800 meter training and acidosis tolerance training and temporal runs. The beauty of this is upgrading it you have a lot of different workouts at your disposal and things you might not think of as lactate uh, threshold upgrading workouts actually might be um, the workouts that create an, an upgrade. So the key here is maintaining a certain velocity, you know, when you're constructing training, but right there on that, what we call the razor's edge, right? Or those pushing the envelopes workouts where the athlete is able to execute the movement at that velocity in a very perceived state of elevating fatigue. And the, the great thing about lactate dynamics too, is if they ever get cr- across that tipping point, if they ever start to you know, rapidly decelerate, all you have to do is take a rest break because the aerobic metabolism will allow that lactate to get buffered out. And then you can start again after a little bit of rest break. And this I think is where the rigid discipline of only doing tempo runs of 20 straight minutes or 30 straight minutes or whatever, 40 straight minutes with no break as the marker, we start to lose the plot because athletes might not actually get a benefit of upgrading these three key variables by having rigidly having to run this pace without a break. Yeah. You know, it's stress and adaptation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. It, it's it's if we stress in the same way, we're going to stress. We'll say one of those variables pretty well. Another maybe not so much, and maybe one moderately. You know, like on average, right? If we shift that, we're going to stress maybe the limiting factor or, or one of those variables, a different variable in a, in a different way. And that's why it's important to stress the various systems. Um, because it's not like, oh, we influence lactate production and lactate utilization. Well, as John rightfully put there, we can influence it in a multitude of different ways. And if we're going to get really complicated, we can influence it on a muscle fiber specific way, right? Oh, yeah. So think oh, of yeah. it like this. Your fast twitch fibers are going to produce and utilize lactate in a different way and have different limiting factors than your slow twitch fibers, right? And activating them in different ways um, will help to train them. So if we always said, did, let's say, uh, 20 minutes at five-minute pace, our, our muscle fiber recruitment would be pretty much the same, right, going through it, because the force and fatigue would be very similar. So we'd follow the same kind of recruitment pattern as we go along so we're not training over time we're not training um different muscle fibers uh to utilize lactate or to to take up lactate or to change how they produce lactate 
um, to the same degree. So that's why I'm a, I'm a fan of using of yes the staple. I would say is that kind of tempo threshold run. It serves a great purpose, but at some point you have to move beyond level one, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> level one to me is that is the is the twenty minute, thirty minute, whatever split, however you want to do it, tempo. But at some point, you have to move beyond that. And I think from there, we can move beyond in multiple different directions, right? So let's let's break some of these down, okay? I could do what we've talked about in past workouts is alternate or bounce back and forth between above and below, right? What happens there if I say, you know what, instead of doing a 20-minute tempo, 25-minute tempo threshold run i'm gonna at five minute pace i'm gonna alternate and go a mile at 520 and a mile at 445 and just bounce back and forth what happens there well we've now changed the dynamics when we go 445 pace we recruit more fast twitch fibers we throw more lactate into the system because it's a little bit higher right but then during our recovery we're still at a very high-end aerobic pace, so we're teaching our body and those slow-twitch fibers, which have the capability and capacity to, to, oh my gosh, we're recovered a little bit, but we're still kind of fo- focused, and we still have to stay on this, right? And we still have to produce a high level of force to run 520 pace, but we got to clear some of this junk out. So let's get clearing. Let's upregulate those enzymes that help transport that from the blood bloodstream into the muscles that can clear it let's upgrade our transportability etc etc so you've now just challenged the system in a very different way to adapt and you can also do it through sprinting friends and that's one way i like to prefer to do uh, lactate threshold upgrade work or lactate dynamic work is with my middle distance runners Um, you don't need to make an 800 meter runner do long alternation sessions or long tempo runs. You know, I think sometimes we tend to think of the only way to do this is through long exposures. If the exposures are really potent and have the correct um, session construction, you can get that upgrade really quickly. I think the key thing to remember is the only way to teach your muscle cells to handle lactate in um, uh, Peruve quickly is to expose them to higher concentrations of those two compounds right and that means fast-paced training uh, where leg muscle cells are primarily fast twitch or slow twitch right so steve talked a lot about using ones that are kind of on the slow twitch end Um, the fast twitch end here's a session construction i like to use early season a lot with my middle distance runners um, is two to three sets of four times 120 meters at their 400 meter pace so kind of top end um you know what I, what we'll call like long speed so to speak before we get into max velocity or top end max velocity so the formula race pace on that day and i'm talking we're doing this in october november uh for people running indoor or you're doing it in january and february for people getting ready for outdoor with only 80 seconds rest in between those four times 120 so what happens here is that the uh, MCT1 levels in the muscles are increased as well as you have significant upgrades 
um, in promotion of aerobic enzymes because remember aerobic is not just about duration it's also about relative intensity so what you're doing is you're getting two upgrades by throwing in a high concentration of lactate i mean if you try to do four times 120 at four meter pace on only 80 seconds rest you are flooding the body with concentrations of pyruvate and lactate but then you take a big break in between right the sets and so that can be five to six minutes rest like we really want to then shuttle everything out kind of get the blood acidity restored back to normal but then we do it again and we do it again and because they're doing it at such high levels of um, velocity they're recruiting a lot of fast twitch but then we're getting right to that point where just before they start to rapidly decelerate because because of increasing fatigue or increasing acidosis in the um, bloodstream that we call call the session uh, or call a break in the session between the sets. So it's another sneaky way that, you know, you may call that a traditional speed endurance workout, but it's also a lactate dynamic elevation workout that's helping your middle distance runner accomplish two things, running very fast uh, with fast switch muscle fibers and also two, increasing high concentrations of lactate and pyruvate in the bloodstream. You know, that, that session reminds me of an old Lydiard classic. Oh, yeah. Um, and Lydiard did it in a slightly different way, but I think it attacks it. He would do four, sets of 400-meter repeats mm-hmm. where he would go 50 meters, basically near max, right? Mm-hmm. And then 50-meter float. And they do that for 400 and then take a break, right? And then do it again. And what you're getting there, which is... It's short enough where you can throw some lactate into the system and then short recovery where you kind of have to deal with it. And that session, 50 meters max, 50 meter float is really freaking hard. Yes. (laughs) Really (laughs) freaking hard. Done it before. It it exhausts you. Um, And we tend to think of that as anaerobic training and it has that effect to degree too. But it also has this effect of like forcing your body to deal with this stuff. And that's why I think when we take think of lactate dynamics, we have to think of it from the beginning all the way up the curve at every point. And right, you're training different factors. And where people get it wrong is if only I did, let's say, those 120s or only did that 50 meter on and off, eventually we'll say my slow twitch system would negate or get worse because I didn't train that aspect of it, right? It's it, it's not so much that the 50 on, 50 on hampered it. It's just that I didn't train it and your body goes, you know what? We're training in this direction. We're going we're gonna to adapt in this direction and we'll forget over here. And that's why I think when we, and the same occurs, right? When we do only threshold 20-minute training, right? What happens, I've done this before, um, I've tested this before, where if you only do threshold training for a long time and then do, let's say, a, a, um, a anaerobic test or a 400-meter flat-out or a 600-meter flat-out, your ability to produce lactate goes down because you haven't trained that system. And it might think, oh, it goes down, that's great. But no, it goes down in total, meaning you no, no longer have the, uh, the turbo boost, right? You can't access it, right? So that's why it's important, all of this stuff, to like have the turbo boost, 
have the ability to uh, utilize buffer, et cetera, at very fast speeds and very high lactates, while at the same time having the ability to do so at very low or not very low, but lower, slower speeds and lower amounts of lactate where you're not um, not uh, flooded the system. You know, if I could use an analogy, it is uh, if we're if we're sitting in a uh, in a boat. I'm not sure how this analogy will work, but okay, if we're sitting, go for it. Well, I'm, we're I'm in the boat in, with you, Steve. So yeah, we're <laughs> sitting in a boat together. Okay, we need to have a problem if we have small leaks, right, to keep us afloat. We need to be able to fix stuff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we also need to have a plan to keep our boat afloat if freaking we're in the middle of a hurricane or whatever storm, right? We need to be able to get rid of stuff as fast as we can, have a lifeboat available, whatever it is. We need a plan, right? Mm -hmm. We can't neglect either and think, oh, we'll be okay. We cannot be the Titanic without lifeboats available, okay? Mm -hmm. That's why you need to be able to train when the water is absolutely flooding the system and you need to be able to deal with it on a day-to-day maintenance when it's trickling in, but you can't let it overflow. There's my attempt at an analogy. I like it. Yeah, it's cover all your bases, right? One of my favorite workouts that I employ that does this, um, that kind of covers the whole uh, uh, spectrum of lactate dynamics, as we're calling it today, is uh, what I call um, a lactate combo workout. So essentially what this is, is kind of a lactate stacker. Um, the workout is this, it's six times one minute on uh, fartlek, and the one minute is at your 3k, 2k race pace feel given the circumstances and the environment. You do it on track, you do it on trail, you do it on the road, do it on the grass, whatever. Then you take two minutes, easy dog afterwards. So the critical aspect is that this work has, or this portion of the workout has a really potent effect on lactate dynamic, right? So after each one minute um, surge at kind of a little faster than 3K effort, the blood lactate levels uh, increase because the powerful running that has occurred to make that surge happen. But what's surprising is the blood lactate does not fall that much during the subsequent two minute recoveries, uh, which means that each succeeding one minute interval at top speed stacks up even more lactate in the blood. And again, flooding the system with lactate and pyruvate so that we create adaptations so they can handle these high concentrations, right? So the results are really um, potent stimulus for the muscles to get better at clearing that lactate from the blood and breaking it down for energy within it to apply to the tissues. Now, what I do is after that six times one minute on, two minute off session, I give athletes a little bit of a, a refresh period, um, up to eight minutes, anywhere between, you know, most people take anywhere between four to eight minutes. And then I have them go two times 10 minutes at a slower, quote unquote, lactic threshold, or what I deem uh, as being like 15K race pace with 90 seconds recovery. So gain the fast twitch um, signaling, fast twitch, powerful muscle moving when they're fresh, stacking lactate. Now we're going to this longer, slow burn. Um, you know, the again, the lactate in the blood from the six by one minute on, two minute off fartlek is not completely cleared out. 
So they might not run that fast of a pace um, for their um, two times 10 minutes. It doesn't matter. All the body knows is intensity. So that 15K race pace could even be five to 10 seconds per mile slower than what they think their normal 15K race pace should be or what you typically have ballparked it at. All that matters is that now what we're teaching in that 10, those 10 minute blocks is to, you know, Steve and I like to call it like riding that red line, like getting uncomfortable or getting comfortable with being uncomfortable for a good period of time. Like you got to really focus to keep that rhythm and that pace for those 10 minutes in that highly, um, or that, you know, highly acidic or uh, lactic flushed environment, right? But you can do it because the pace one isn't as fast relative as what you're just doing for your surges before that you started doing it. And then two, your athletes building confidence that they can, you know, be tough and be someone who shows up and sticks it out when it's a challenging situation or, you know, grit their teeth and get through it. Like it's a good coaching moment too, psychologically, because it reinforces that the athlete can do um, and accomplish what they set out to do in difficult circumstances. I like that. I'm going to yeah. give you two examples that I think complement that. One that okay. I saw, one that I saw the late uh, David Torrance do at a workout here in Houston when he was in town, and that is he did a bunch of 300s all at 3k down to mile pace, and then once he finished that session, I don't remember how many there were, he went straight, basically straight into a mile at like 520 pace or something like that, you know. And I asked, asked him afterwards, like, why'd you do that? And he said, well, I just, you know, built up a lot of junk in my legs. And then, like, 520 pace isn't fast, but it's fast enough where after, you know, doing 12 by 300 with short rest or whatever, it hurts and it feels kind of crappy and I have to be focused. And I'm teaching my body how to deal with stuff at a decently aerobic pace and clear stuff out and deal with it. And I was like, oh, that's a... I love that. It's a great little addition to the workout that allows you to get this aerobic, maybe slower twitch component of of uh, utilizing clearing lactate um, after a session that targeted something slightly different. And then the other variation that I think uh, you know plays into what you're doing or what you described there is something that I use a lot with my college athletes, and that we have this this mile loop with a hill. Now it's a Houston hill. It's not a big hill. <laughs> Houston hill, yes. <laughs> but it's a Houston hill. It's actually an amphitheater uh, that was built up so people could sit on a hill to watch, you know, uh, music, et cetera, plays, et cetera, outdoors. So outdoor amphitheater. But anyways, what we do is we do maybe five times up this, uh, I don't know, 25 second hill with a quick jog down. You're going mile effort. So you get, you're building up some pretty good stuff. You're changing the strength requirement and muscle fiber recruitment because you're running up a hill. And then at the end of the fifth, they jog down and then go straight into what is essentially about a 1400 meter loop at a pretty solid just slower than what we call threshold, maybe a marathon, a little faster than a marathon t- type pace effort. So mm-hmm. for college athletes, maybe 530 down to 520. And then they get back and they go straight into five hills again. And mm-hmm. then they go straight into that steady part. So you're building up junk, building up some lactate, changing, you know, recruiting fast twitch fibers. And then you're spending 1400 meters like 
at a steady enough pace where you're dealing with it, clearing it out, like teaching, you know, your adjacent slow twitch fibers, hopefully to utilize some of that as energy and having that same effect of bouncing back and forth between dealing with it, accumulating it. And on, we do this for maybe three or four rounds. And by the fourth round, you know, of four or five by hills and then steady, it's much higher lactate levels than the first round. And you're just kind of teaching your body how to, how to deal with it. I like it. I like it. I mean, another uh, good workout too is, you know, superset training, right? So the concept of superset training is you can do uh, an interval or a a length at a, a fast speed or over or over speed, let's say overly fast speed. And you come back, uh, and immediately shift gears, shift down to your race pace speed. So for 800 meter runners, we could say a superset training session would look like um, 200 meters at your 400 meter pace. And then immediately shift down without any stopping 400 meters at 800 meter pace. So it's a 600 meter rep, but the way you're running it is 200 near all out and then 400 meters at 800 meter pace. What that teaches is one, it teaches uh, a lot, the 800 meter, a lot about what they're going to have to tolerate in that middle 400 of a race, right? So the first 200 and the last 200, you know, we're not really focusing that much on a session, but that middle 200 before, you know, the last two to go, that's really what you're, um, they're going to get a really healthy exposure to, as well as, you know, this huge concentration of, again, all, all these different things that uh, influence lactate um, capacity and lactate threshold in a really translatable um, way that's just not that's not only physiologically translatable but also psychologically translatable so and you know then you take you know, full recovery afterwards um, you know you can do up to five minutes easy walk jog and you can do three to four sets of that right so it's three or four sets of 600 but ran very specifically and near all out in terms of 400 meter ability, but then back down. If I was a miler, uh, you just change that constitution slightly as well. You could do 800s. And what you could do is you could do a 400 at um, like 800 meter speed or 1K speed even. It doesn't have to be that crazy. So 400 at a little faster pace. So I'd say 1K speed. And then a 400 at 1500 meter race pace. And again, what we're trying to do is teach not only physiologically but also psychologically that sticking power that staying power that confidence and that exposure to that middle of the race portion that so often happens in like miles and eights where there is a heavy degree of lactate um, now being produced because of the muscle power required to run those fast speeds and if the athlete hasn't um, had enough frequency exposure to it uh, it, it will slow them down significantly, right? Because once you have positive H ions, you know, uh, in the bloodstream and getting on muscle tissue, it turns them off. And so it makes it so you can't run. It's kind of one reason why, like, eight, as a lot of high school coaches see, 800 meter runners get better in the season as they run more 800s and 4x4s <laughs> because those races in themselves are really high um, lactate uh, threshold type specific training for the 800. If you just keep doing more eights and quarters and four by fours in dual meets all season long, 
lo and behold, like they'll pop off this huge uh, PR or fast time towards the end of the year. Same thing with milers too, right? The more milers typically run at near maximum speeds or near maximum race paces, more mile races they run typically throughout a year, uh, they get better. And we got to remember too, like those types of sessions aren't just upgrading lactic threshold. They're also upgrading your velocity of VO2 max. They're also upgrading running economy. They're also upgrading resistance to fatigue. So the fun part about all this is while we may not think of certain workouts as primarily driving adaptations and lactic thresholds that are, are more considered classic repetition or interval based, they definitely are if they're constructed in the right way. Yeah, it's the old igloy idea, right? Yep. Like you can train any <laughs> igloy si- summed up. You can train anything you want to with 100 to 400 meter repeats. Pretty much. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It might not be the most fun and engaging sometimes, but you can, uh, depending on how you manipulate the speeds, recoveries, you know, sets, reps, density of the work, etc. Um, you can do that. And I think that's, that's, it's not to ditch the traditional stuff, but it's to say, Hey, we've got, uh, all these things in our arsenal and all these things that will train athletes in a slightly different way and address these things in a slightly different way. So why not, uh, utilize them? You know, one of my favorite aerobic type sessions, For the 800 meters, which I was actually just putting together for our Academy of Scholarship program course that we'll be uh, unveiling soon. So take a look at that over on the HBW site. Um, It's the use of 150s and 200s almost in a rhythm style with very short rest to get this aerobic adaptation at faster speeds. So for example, I might have athletes do sets of eight by 150 with only a 50 meter jog at, you know, what I'd say 28, 27 second, 200 speed. So, you know, you're talking 56 to 54 second, 400 speed, which is, um, you know, pretty dang fast, uh, for these athletes who might run, you know, 149, 148, 147, like that's, that's fast, not top end, but pretty dang fast. But what happens is, uh, you can train it, you, you get them a, a, what I'd call a more specific aerobic response. So this type of stuff, if we were to zoom out and look at the season is early on in the, let's say the fall for 800 meter type athlete. Yeah. We'd have some traditional kind of threshold, some progression, some cruise intervals, but I might maintain that ability or develop it in faster twitch fibers with some of these maybe two to three sets of six to eight by 150 with 50 meter jog and then longer rest between sets. As it's more specific training, short rest allows it to get, attack this kind of aerobically um, and, and do its job. So I think, again, it's, it's stepping outside of the old, um, you know, zone type training and thinking, okay, what sort of adaptation am I delivering? What sort of stress am I delivering that leads to an adaptation for athletes in this direction? And we have good news for older runners. The aging runner, lactate threshold dynamic training is your go-to. Why? Well, here's what happens, right? As we age, max heart rate tends to decline, right? Steve, by what? Like an average of a beat per year or something like that? Yep. 
Yeah, because the, the you know so what happens is the strength of the and flexibility of that left left ventricle um, tends to diminish, right? And so the pump can't pump as forceful uh, just because of the aging process, because that ticker's been going for decades and decades and decades. Um, in contrast, though, like muscle, like mitochondria, that plays um, that big role in improving like uh, running velocity at lactic threshold and all those aerobic enzymes we talk about um, that, uh, that give, uh, like running velocity, electric threshold boost are not necessarily reduced by the aging process. In fact, there could be like, there's interesting research that shows like you could increase, um, your lactic threshold almost as much in a six year old person as you could in a 30 year old person, which is pretty cool. Because again, if we're thinking about it, that capacity is not necessarily limited morphologically like, say, VO2 max is tied to the heart um, because that physical entity is just getting used up and tired and just becoming less powerful. So this is why you see, too, a lot of, um, or you traditionally saw, right, a lot of milers and such um, back in the day move up to the 10K or 5K, 10K runners move up to the marathon when they aged or when they're kind of aging out of those more speed-based uh, events uh, before we had this mass rush to the marathon uh, because of the monetary incentive that's now there and not necessarily on the track. Um, their lactic threshold, would the, the coaches and athletes knew they could continue to develop that and be competitive because lactic threshold ability at those competitive speeds in the marathon or like longer track events is a really determining factor of success at that um, race distance. So they continue to elevate that even though their ability of their VO2 max or their heart and their ability for that to pump was going down. That is a good point and some yeah. astute research there. Um, I was, yeah, I found that I just, so I wanted to throw it in cause like, it gives us older runners hope that we can still be fit in old age. <laughs> yes, there's hope for us and others um, as we figure this out. So I'm I'm with you, hundred percent. You know that's it's and it's a good example though that um, over time, um, the limiting factors or what we're able to train change, but that doesn't mean your performance has to drop. That's the wonderful, you know, wonderful thing about performance and the way the body works is that there's not one way to improve the lactate threshold. There's not one way to manage VO2 max. There's not one way to, to um, handle buffering capacity. There's a, there's a, a numerous different pathways, enzymes, et cetera, that all impact those things. So as one goes down, another can go up to compensate to a large degree. And some, not only with aging, but that's how it goes with, um, you know, deciding what training to use as well is that, you know, I also look at some of these concepts we've talked about in terms of developing lactate threshold as, you know, uh, beginner, intermediate, and advanced, right? In terms of not where the runner is, but where their adaptation is and where I need to, uh, where I need to send that, you know? 
because it's like, oh, some of these might sound really complicated. Well, we might use the complicated one once they're at the advanced stage and they're, you know, done threshold style training for years. And I'm like, you know what? We got to attack this from a different angle. We got to attack this problem from a, a different way. So just something when, to when you're Yeah. I mean, when you're younger and Mother Nature has a, gives you a tailwind at your back with all the, you know, wonderful, you know, uh, reproduction hormones it assists in men, especially, and even to a certain degree in women, it's like you can be a little, um, you know, I don't want to say sloppy, but you can just be a little bit more like simple, cut and dry, straightforward, easily, here you go, right? As we age, though, and we start to lose that hormonal tailwind, um, we then have to be more sophisticated in our construction approach in order to continue to get a very high return for our work. And that's the sometimes the hard problem with distance running is we tend to have success with a certain uh, method of work and a certain rhythm of work in a certain dosage early on. And then we just stick with it because we had success with it. Right. That's the last thing you should possibly do because the returns are just not going to yield as high of dividends as they did previously, but because it's familiar and you knew it worked in the past or you look back at your training and go, Oh, it really worked in my best year. We tend to return to that. And it's again, reminding ourselves what got you here um, to this point might not necessarily get you there to the next point. Um, And that's where the continual upgrading of our understanding about how these things work and where they work and how these short sessions can be lactate dynamic enhancing sessions, these long sessions, modulations, alternations, you know, uh, lactic stackers, the combo workouts, they can also have enhancements is really key because we cannot as runners ever get away from the potency and importance of one's lactic threshold on um, performance. It's just one of those those key things like, you know, to ignore it or to downplay it is you know, going to be to your disadvantage. So what I try to do, Steve, and I know about you is uh, make sure like with a lot of athletes, they at least have two to three sessions per week or um, runs per week where they have some degree of exposure to um, upgrading their lactic threshold. And again, it's not always in the same method. It's in varying methods, but, and also not for the same duration. But I think for me, it's one of those really, really important training factors and elements. So I try to present it to every athlete I can that, you know, getting three different exposures. And so like their total runtime, at least 20 to 25% of their time running per week is spent in um, some type of lactic threshold range. I mean, one of my other all-time favorite workouts too is on the track and I call them roll-ons, and it's very similar to what we talked about before, and this would be just a very classical uh, example or extending example of what Steve talked about just with Igloy um, in those short 50s, but even doing something as simple as um, for the 5K runner or the 3K runner or even the 10K runner, um, three or four sets or four times um, 400 meters at your 3k pace with a 100 meter roll on at your half marathon or 15k pace right so the whole work bout the whole work 
period ends up being 2000 meters of continuous running. But again, we're alternating or we're like pulsating um, and we're modulating back and forth, right? Between 3K pace and then half marathon pace. And so what ends up being harder on the athlete is not the 400 meters at 3K pace. It's not slowing down the 100 meters um, roll-on portion at uh, half marathon or 15K pace. That becomes the tough part of the session for most athletes. Because most people want to like, athletes want to just take it easy, catch their breath, and really focus on getting ready. But you're, you're teaching that, that modulation of back and forth, back and forth. And what ends up happening is if you have an athlete do, you know, three sets, four sets, 6K, 8K worth of work like that with like three to five minutes rest in between. Again, it's a, it's a nice middle ground too, where you get a lot of specific time at 3K race pace, which we know is the gold standard for upgrading, um, you know, a lot of tr- key training variables, including VO2 max and velocity at VO2 max and as well as lactic threshold, as well as resistance to fatigue. To me, it's one of the most potent things you can do. And so that's always a staple of athletes I work with half marathon um, down to the mile of a cornerstone of their training program because it just gets them so dang fit. Yeah, that's a, you know, I like to use, um, especially during the base or early period of training, um, I like to use multiple directions to attack uh or develop athletes aerobically one of which is the traditional threshold run one of which is a longer steady progression run where we go through some of these paces sometimes it's fart licks or alternations which we talked about but i also like using things kind of like what you talked about but i prefer using 200s which i just call rhythm you know where we're gonna go 12 to 16 or sometimes two sets of eight by 200 with either a hundred or 200 meter jog, depending on the person, the jog isn't slow. Um, and we just kind of roll through things where it's like, okay, you want, um, let's go for a college, uh, distance runner, college male distance runner, just average one. We might start at 32 and work down to 29 for those two hundreds. Um, and with the off jog, maybe in about 45 to, you know, 55 seconds, and you just kind of get in a rhythm of doing it where it's kind of moderately hard, but you're you're getting this nice benefit of running faster, but still doing so where you're highly highly aerobic and stressing in that system. So I think it, and that allows you to build off of that. And as you get into competition phase, turn that 200 workout, extend it, right? Manipulate the rest and turn it into a different style of workout that gives you uh, more specific benefits for maybe the mile or 3K. So I think, I think like the key of, as I, you know, sit here and think about all these things we've thrown at our audience is it's, you have all these different ways to uh, manipulate things and manipulate uh, the variables to address uh, things like lactate threshold, which we're focusing on, but also other parameters that matter towards endurance. And like, use them, use them. Like, don't forget about the basics in the foundation, but like once that's down is like start attacking direction, uh, attacking these adaptations from multiple directions. And if they're not adapting in the way that you think or want with this workout, we'll try, you know, adapting them in a different direction. Try instead of pushing, try pulling, try going up, 
of, you know, bouncing back and forth. Try including a hill element, you know, in hillier parts of the world. Or I used to do this as an athlete. I'd, you know, once my thresholds kind of, my 20 minute thresholds kind of stagnated, I said, you know what? I'm going to do those same thresholds on the treadmill only up a, a three or 4% incline that kind of sucked, but it changed. Right. <laughs> you know? It, that would it, suck, dude. <laughs> it, changes the, it changed the dynamics. And I, I don't do that as much now, but I still do a variation of it. And I think that's the key. Yeah, I think it's just remembering and reiterating, you know, uh, training interpretation. Like, you always have an introduction of some new stimulus, right? And so it could be the pace, the volume, the grade, the surface, the external conditions, right? Like, I mean, if you're going, I, I know, like, when I visited you in Houston last year, Steve, I was running 100 miles a week just fine, you know, up here in, like, sunny, not humid Portland, Oregon, uh, you know, at 6.30, 6 minute pace, cruising and i went to visit you in houston texas in mid-june and i couldn't even finish five miles at you know eight minute pace because of the heat and humidity right the external load was just so great um but eventually if you keep uh re if you keep if you keep repeating that in uh that introduction of that load whether internal or external or both your body stabilizes to a certain degree. And it's then at that stabilization point, you have to make a choice. Do you introduce some new quality or do you enhance the intensification or speed of it? Or do you extend the um, duration or length of exposure to it, right? Uh, I'm always a fan of, you know, extension kind of being the last variable, kind of like Canova, an important variable. But to me, I always want to get intensification uh, to its highest level before I really start to put a lot of weight in extension. Um, but the, the thing to remember too is it's all about the intensity or potency of that lactic dynamic or lactic threshold exercise. So those threshold runs at, you know, the classic four mile tempo um, or 20 minute tempo, what have you, those introduce it at a very, um, you know, low volatility standpoint the volatility the relative volatility you're going to get at a steady state run is not that high it's going to sneak up it's going to like um you know just inch up a little bit and so because that volatility is not that high the actual the recoverability post session so the day two days afterwards is pretty rapid because you didn't flood the system with really high concentrations or really high volumes of um lactate and pyruvate Versus if you're doing, say, the lactic stacker session or that combo session or um, the speed endurance lactate session of the sets of 120 at um, 4-meter pace with 80 seconds rest, you're flooding high, high concentrations very rapidly <laughs> to the body. The you know, And that, that's why you see like, when athletes will get done with those high concentration flood uh, flooding sessions, they'll be on all fours, just like, you know, curl up in a ball, like just trying to get the heart in the most efficient way, just to get pumping, like take all gravity out of the equation because the perceived effort and expenditure on it's super high. So recovery from after that type of session, you know, is going to have to be maybe three to four days. So that's the, the thing, right? And we know frequency 
and uh, duration or volume is an important driver to skill acquisition. So if you're only doing the really high-end uh, threshold dynamic work, uh, you know, those really, really tough acidosis tolerance sessions, as I call them, you might only, you can only do them once a week, really. I mean, maybe, maybe twice a week. If that is, but you have to then take a lot of recovery versus you're mixing it up. You're doing a four mile tempo that might take a one or two days to recover from the mixed session of, you know, one minute on two minute off surges at three K pace followed by two times, 10 minutes. Well, that's a little bit more intense, a little bit more concentration that might take, you know, two to three to four days. The acidosis tolerance stuff that definitely takes a good chunk of time. Like Tony Haller, even with his Fisa Cats program where he does acidosis and tolerance work, he does it once a week. I only do with like my elite athletes, acid, high, high concentration acidosis tolerance work once a week. It is just so damn potent. So two, yeah, as Steve said, like you also have to understand the level of concentration that you're, of lactate you're creating in, a, in an athlete. That's why 800 meter runners after a race are down on all fours if they're really far outside their lactic threshold for 200 meters or 300 meters versus the 10k runner not necessarily their sprint they're bouncing back a little bit quicker just because the go 10k speeds isn't as high of a concentration it might be a longer duration of of that level discomfort but the relative concentration is not that high couldn't have summed it up better. I think that those are key points. And, you know, if I was to say, what do you take away? It's that idea of you're either qualifying, adding quality, or you're extending. And what you're doing is up, up to you on this and what adaptation you're, you're kind, of, kind of seeking. And that's the art of coaching. And there's a little bit of science in there, but that's the art of coaching for figuring out what your athletes need. In general, I agree, quality um, and then extending that and endurance or that ability just as you develop pure speed before you develop speed endurance, for example. Um, but every once in a while, you run into something that is is different and, and you reverse that course. But that's kind of the gist of this whole lactate threshold lactate dynamics conversation is give yourself as many tools as you can to attack adaptation in as many directions as possible and then go about systematically doing that to improve your athletes uh, abilities and performance yes one thousand percent when i'll uh give steve some links um to add in the show notes for everyone to kind of look over those articles we may mention on, on highperformancewest.com. And if you haven't, uh, go ahead and sign up for the Bolton, uh, the High Performance West Bolton. It's going to be a every Monday thing. It's going to be awesome. It's a direct access to uh, workouts of the days, links, books, um, blogs, um, articles of the day, as well as goodies and freebies and coupons on stuff um, that Steve and I will be releasing here early fall for what we're calling the fall winter high performance West collection. All right. Until next time. Thanks for listening everybody. <laughs>